What's Up listeners, today we agree on the best name for a starship. We watch Captain Picard slide into insanity, and we ask the question, how can you beam someone through a force field? All that and more. Stay with us. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek, the next generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm Andrea. Sharice, today we are tearing apart season one, episode eight, entitled The Battle. So this episode was written by Larry Forrester and Herbert Wright, directed by Rob Bowman. And the star date in this episode is 41723.9. Um, do you want me to just jump right into our, our plot? Yeah, let's do our plot. Let's do our, our overarching thoughts, and then we can get into the detail. Cool. All right. So I just have kind of a short little plot summary for this one. Um, After waiting for a response to their hails for three days, Captain Picard finds that the Ferengi have discovered his old ship, the Stargazer. Picard has been plagued by headaches that we soon learn are at the hands of the Ferengi and an illegal thought altering machine. So let me just give my my overall thoughts, my 50,000 foot view before we get into the the nitty gritty of this episode. (laughs) Um, I love the name, the Stargazer, so much. I oh just, my God, me too. It's just such a great name for a ship. <laughs> me too. I thought this, it was like, if I ever have a starship, because you know, that's a real possibility, mm-hmm. I would name it the Stargazer. Totally. It's a perfect name. Totally. So, that, so that's my big overview, right? It's like, I love the name, the Stargazer. Um, and then this episode overall, I think it's got some, um, I think it makes some attempts to kind of, get into a little bit of character development with um, Picard and his, and his past life. Um, I don't yes. think it quite hits the nail on the head, but it's moving in the right direction because once we get past season one or maybe further on in season one, I feel like they, the writers really start to develop the characters and that is so fun. That's what I love seeing. That's why I love this show so much. So I like that they're starting to move in a direction that sort of mm-hmm. kind of like we sort of want to get to know more about these people. That's my overall thoughts. What about you? I, you know, I agree. I agree with you. Number one, the Stargazer is the best freaking name for a starship <laughs> ever. Um, I, I totally agree. Um, I had sort of the same thoughts. Um, number one, I have been geeking out about TNG as we've been making this podcast. So I'm like jumping around and finding all the episodes I really love to watch. And they're all like season five or six or seven or whatever. So in, in rewatching the battle yesterday to prepare for our podcast, I was like, Oh, we're back to this. Like nobody, we don't know like the character dynamics that well. Mm -hmm. Um, At one point, Beverly comes in at the very beginning and says, you sent for me, sir. And I'm like, sir, this is not how they interact. Mm -hmm. This is not what their relationship is later, Mm -hmm. but we don't know that yet. You know, they're just barely sort of developing that. Mm -hmm. So the character development is really weak still. Um, I think that this episode is overall really bad, but I think that Patrick Stewart's acting ability really carried the mm-hmm. episode. He really mm-hmm. did carry it because Picard, Picard is feeling like conflicted and he feels like he's going crazy and he's in mm-hmm. pain and he's exhausted. And then he's like having these hallucinations. Like you have to flip between so many different modalities. Mm-hmm. It's, it really shows like what an incredible actor he really is. I completely um, agree. And I, I, you know, I, I have a soft spot for the crazy episodes Whenever the actors are going crazy, <laughs> it's just fun to watch because it's like they're playing mm-hmm. themselves, but an altered mm-hmm. version of themselves. And I find that fascinating. And this was no exception. I had forgotten that Picard had episodes. I mean, I know there's one in season seven, but that's a, that's a little bit different because he's being tortured. But here, yes. you know, to see him have this moment where he's like losing his mind and he's like, what's real? What's not real? I was just like, oh right. man, this is so fun to watch the talent here of him right. like flipping through those modalities, as you said. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other thing too, that I, I was doing a little reading, cause you know me, I love, I love those like deep dives. Um, this, these first number of episodes, I don't know how many there are, but in season one, definitely um, is like the bulk of this type of style. The writers, so writers for television shows usually go by kind of a standard, like three act system, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like building tension. And then you have like, you know, you usually move to some location or another and then, you know, whatever. But the writers in season one said, we're trying to break the mold and we're trying to do something new and different and not do a three act um, kind of structure. And so this just sort of feels like one long act to me. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, he goes aboard. Yes, he goes mm-hmm. aboard the Stargazer, but it just kind of feels like there's no natural break between the beginning, the right. middle or the end. It all just sort of feels like one big, like 
I completely agree. I, I do think it is a, there is a story line. There's a little bit of an arc, but the climax of the story doesn't happen until the last three minutes of the episode. Yeah. And then it's yes. like, okay, let's move on. And so it's yeah. very flat. It's very linear, but I will say, yes, I yes. like it better than Encounter at Farpoint. <laughs> I still like it better. <laughs> Because at least this is like a straight line you can follow. Yeah, it's like yes, very clear what we're talking about. The issue is very true. clear. The the bad guy's very clear. And and you kind of are like not too emotionally moved as the episode's going, but you're That's also true. not confused. So there's that. That's true. That's true. Okay, so let's just let's just get in and do our like play by play here. So the, after three days of repeated hails to the Ferengi vessel, they agree to meet. And um, we like we the the show opens um, in Captain Picard's quarters, which I think are really interesting. I had a lot of thoughts on the quarters. I was mm-hmm. like, "What the heck is going on with this? This is the least cozy room aboard the entire Enterprise. Like, mm-hmm. I would feel more comfortable sleeping in the transporter room or the cargo bay." You it's know, like, Star Trek and, Starfleet like, rooms are just not awesome. Like they, you know, I think like that's you're not what, allowed to have like personal effects anywhere. Like, I mean, they, there was like, a lot of personal effects, but the way it goes for some reason is it's just, I guess that's why my picture of modern is like, um, sparse and unattractive yeah. because of Star Trek, <laughs> right? Because that's like the future. And in the future, you just have that one really hard chair and one yes. table, one desk. And then you've got the one painting on the wall and like a drawer of all your belongings. Which also, also, by the way, that painting behind his desk uh-huh. is of like some sort of space station. And I'm going, doesn't anybody want to see something other than space sometimes? Like when they're surrounded space. by space, you got these <laughs> big ass windows that look out into space. And in his ready room is a spaceship. It's the Enterprise. And then in his quarters, it's like a space station. Like, yeah. man, this is one note AF right here. Like, it's like yes. you guys, you know, it's so come interesting. On. Because- don't you want like, don't you want like a, a grassy meadow or like, I don't know, something or not space. Anything not space. Yeah, there's this there's a scene of and I know I'm always quoting Voyager, but there's this scene where Seven of Nine, who's the Borg drone turned like human convert a little bit, is trying right. to pick out quarters for herself. This is in, in the holodeck, so it's like in her fantasy world, but she's imagining what oh, if she cool. wasn't a drone. And she's kind of trying to pick out her quarters, and this other character who's like really bubbly and you know, very personable is trying to help her. And she's like, he's saying, you know, maybe we could put up, I don't know, like a painting. And she's, or she said, he says, maybe we can put up something on the walls. And she goes, like a star chart. And he's like, oh, maybe something like a little more personal or cozy, maybe artistic. And then she goes, oh, like a painting. And he's like, yeah. And she goes, I'll put a painting of a star chart. And he's like, okay, (laughs) this is going to take some time. And I feel like that's what's going on in this picture. You're kind of like, oh, he's got a painting of a something else spacey. Um, Yes. Okay. Something further space. Although you are right. There are personal effects there. Cause he had some like, he had it looked fish. like Japanese swords or something. Here's the interesting thing fish. about the fish. I was like, what is the deal with Picard and these fish? Because his ready room has those fish. That's a very cool thing. And has I never knew, fish, yeah. I never knew his quarters had fish. I don't remember. I mean, whenever you see his quarters in the future, I feel like it's just kind of, it's a close up shot of him and he's just like sitting mm-hmm. at a desk reading or sitting in a chair reading, or maybe he sleeps, yes. but you don't really see yes. this like this angle that we saw of the whole kind of room, the whole space. Yeah. It was sort of panning. It was a panning. And you're kind of like, wow, this is a huge space and there's nothing in it. So what is the point of that? I know it's very like, it's super sparse. Well, one of the things that I noticed and they have it as soon as they pan away from the fish tank, tank, Mm -hmm. the first thing like at the foreground is a sextant, which is Mm -hmm. a naval tool for like navigation. Right. And I thought, I noticed oh my God, that too. this brings me back. This, this brings me back to that Horatio Hornblower, mm-hmm. like basis upon which Captain Picard's character is built. And, and also I didn't think of this until just now, uh, next week we are reviewing, um, an episode with Q and he dresses as like a Napoleonic era, um, mm-hmm. Marshall. and that's right in that exact time set where they pull, you know, the, the story, you know, the background information for Captain Picard because Horatio Hornblower was this early 19th century admiral. So they're really kind of leaning heavy into that in the next episode or two. Yeah, that's cool. I did notice that. <laughs> um, I didn't know what it was called, but I was like, hey, there's that naval, that, that Navy thing. I see that thing. Um, and okay. Is that a sextant? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Okay. Okay. So moving on a little bit, what another thing that I thought was interesting, and this is actually before we get to no, this is this is after Picard goes to to sick bay and it's kind of like a headache. What's going on? Um, they have this moment where the Ferengi are on visual, and something oh I've noticed God. 
is that the oh background is all white. Yes. You don't get yes. to see their ship. Yes. And I was like, oh my gosh, how long did they do this before they actually did set dressing for the other yes. ship? Because later on in the episode, you see that same Ferengi, Dave, Damon Bach, you see him with his evil plan in this cool ship. And I'm like, why didn't they just show that in the background? Thank because they you. made a set. Oh my god! They made the oh set. My gosh. And they just kind of neglected the set every time they were on really frequency. Every time. Okay. The fir- in the first episode um, that the Ferengi show up in, yeah. they also, you know, they, they transmit visually right. and they have this like bright white screen behind them, but also the angle. It's like, why do we have extreme close-ups of yeah. your face? Yeah. Okay. Where or like the camera like up, exactly? Up the nose, up the <laughs> nose shots. Yeah. It's like, come on. Yeah. That, that to me also was like, was that a money saving thing? Because you didn't have to build this whole set. But then later in the same episode, he's on a Ferengi ship. Set. Yeah. So, and you're like, you guys should have just what? reshot this because the, the <laughs> yeah. ship was cool. Like, there's no reason for us to not see him in the ship while he's talking. There's no reason not yeah. to. I, I don't know if we have been inside an alien ship in the series up until this point. I really don't know. I think we might have seen inside of the, like, the god ship. Um, I'm not sure if no, we saw inside or no, just the outside. No, we only saw the outside. It was okay. just the outside, yeah. So we this saw, might be the first time. I mean, yeah, it might be because we, we saw the inside of the, the alien at far encounter at Farpoint, but that was technically oh, not yeah, a ship. Yeah. It was a space jelly. Like so a little different, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't it's know. It's a living thing, I guess, with hallways. All living things have hallways, Sharice, don't you know that? <laughs> so this with might like be the panels. first time. <laughs> this might be the first time we see the interior <laughs> of an alien ship. And it looked pretty cool. It looked very cool. It looked very cool. Um, oh, I just had a thought. Uh Number one, why are a bulk of the episode so far centered on like mind control? Like we've had electricity mm-hmm. that has controlled the crew. We've mm-hmm. had um, we've had a virus that's mm-hmm. controlled people's brains, and now we have this mosquito repellent <laughs> that you can yep. twist the yep. ball and it controls your brain. It's like this is. I think they were trying to go so spacey that they're like mind controlled this way and body controlled that way. It's like yeah. I think, again, like there's so much of that that there's no room for character development. So it's just a super bland episode. But anyway, so Picard is having these headaches. He can't really tell why. He goes to sickbay. And I love this little moment where Dr. Crusher says things like headaches and the common cold. Like we no longer mm-hmm. have to suffer from that kind of stuff. And I went, mm-hmm. oh my God, if only. That would be yeah. so great. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. And I, I do like the realism of that in the sense that even though headaches and the common cold are a thing of the past, they still have doctors because they still have issues. They still have diseases. They just have alien diseases mm-hmm. now. They have the Torellian flu instead of the mm-hmm. swine flu or whatever. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I like the realism of that because as a germ scientist myself, as a microbiologist, I know that every time we eradicate one disease, another one pops up because it's just the nature mm-hmm. of evolution. And so I kind of mm-hmm. appreciate that, that they're saying, oh, all those old those old school ailments are totally gone, but we still have a need for medical science because new things keep right. popping up. So I appreciated that. They didn't just say we have no problems now. Yes. Like we solved everything with just a scan. Like, and it's, it's, yeah. 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 And I really liked when she gave him that, like whatever that thing in his brain. And she said, well, oh, I've just cloaked the pain, which is really what all painkillers do. But I like yes. that phrase cloaked the pain. It sounded very spacey. Yeah. It sounded very Romulan, didn't it? Like it a did. device kind of thing. Yes, yeah, your, like, your pain has been cloaked. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> so that actually, to me, brought back some memory because um, I have routinely suffered with like just crippling migraines. Mm-hmm. And I don't have them as much anymore. Um, but a couple of years ago, they were so bad. I was having these like horrendous migraines like daily for months. So I just mm-hmm. couldn't even really function. My husband's dad is a doctor and he said, look, um, a lot of people actually get Botox in the forehead because it numbs those nerves. Mm-hmm. So the migraine is still there, but you can't feel it. And I went, okay, like I, I'm not a big fan of, you know, mm-hmm. I don't feel the need to like augment my look. You know, I'm not like a Botox or lip filler kind of a gal, but I did it and it was amazing within like a day or two, like my migraines were gone for like eight months. It was amazing. Wow. Like you could almost feel it coming in, but like, it's like it couldn't take hold and it just disappeared. It was crazy. Wow. It was really, so, really, really so helpful. You heard it here first, people. The cloaking technology exists already. <laughs> and it is it called does. Botox. <laughs> it is. But but I tell you, it was like 26 injections to my forehead and it was really painful. <laughs> so we just so need the hypo It's not as simple. That's, yeah, that's it's not as simple as Crusher going beep, 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 beep. Okay, it's gone now. <laughs> I wish. I wish. <laughs> 
But anyway, yeah. So that was, that reminded me of, I was like, oh yeah, it's like your cloak that the writers actually did a great job with that. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. no, it is like you're cloaking, you're cloaking this pain. But anyway, okay. So the Ferengi beam on board and I have a problem with this. I have a problem with a couple things. Yes. Why do they always beam right onto the bridge? That what makes the no sense to me. I was the like, transporter room. Why are they not in the transporter room? Everyone goes to the transporter room. Why would you beam them to the bridge? I know. Especially I know. when you full well do not trust them. And Troy has just been like, I sense deception. I sense deception, Captain, and danger. Okay, yes. let's no, beam like, them to the let's bridge. Just bring them where the command center is and all the buttons and all the everything that you can do to take over the ship. Yeah. yeah. That it's like, why would this you a horrible beam them decision. right to the bridge? That, that to me didn't make any sense, especially, like you said, especially with like maybe people that you don't trust. You're like, let's bring you like and on. Let's keep properly. in mind. I agree. And let's keep in mind. It's not like they haven't used the transporter room to beam people before. We saw in the previous episode, right. Lonely Among Us with the, wait, nope, that's not, was that the one with the electricity monster? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in mm-hmm. Lonely Among Us, we saw mm-hmm. they, they, they beamed in the delegates right yep. to the transporter room and then they yeah, escorted so they them it. off the ship. That's what they always do. And so I thought it was yeah. really weird that they broke protocol in this episode and especially with a race that they don't trust and they're expecting something <laughs> shady to come from them. And the last time they saw them, upon instantly seeing them, they shot them with electric pool noodles. And granted, they're not beaming them over <laughs> with weapons, but like these people are not trust to be trusted. Don't send them to the bridge with the captain and everybody. Send them to the transporter room with Tasha Yar. That's where they need yes. to show up. And yes. then she searches them, makes sure or, they're safe, and escorts them to a neutral room with no buttons. Exactly. And that's where you talk. So that exactly. is something well, they also, do in the future. Also, if you could transport from anywhere to anywhere, then what's the point of the damn transporter room anyway? You transport yourself from your quarters to the stargazer yeah. like, later in the yeah. episode. Like, why would you even need to go to this room yeah. then if you just beam willy-nilly from any room to anywhere? Yeah, that bothered me. Um, okay, so the Ferengis... The Ferengi are not as comically bad as they were in yeah. um, the last outpost, I think mm-hmm. was the episode. It was they the were last in. outpost, yeah. Yeah, so they weren't as comically bad. They They're are not doing still- the monkey walk, which I appreciate. Oh, thank God. That was so offensive. Yeah, I was like, oh, thank um, God. They're just, at least they're just, they're still doing these weird things with their bodies, but they're not actually yeah. like bouncing around like like monkeys. So, <laughs> yes. Okay, but but I I think it's still interesting that. Gene Roddenberry and company decided to show that this is a savage, a more sa- savage and like primitive, primitive yeah. race. Mm-hmm. And they do that. They highlight that by having them wear like animal, animal furs skins. and pelts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And their boots are made of animal pelts as well. And I was like, man, I, like you're in spaceships. Where do you even get these furry animals? Pelts. <laughs> where, where, right? where did you attain these animals? Right? I guess from their home world. And then they just wear them. Where and wherever. I guess. I guess. I don't know. But they also have that, like, very, um, to me, very offensive, like, thirst for profit above all else. And mm-hmm. I just think, like, God, you guys really are trying to tweak this, like, racist, profit money driven stereotype. And I love that. Additionally, they're, of course, all brown. It's like, okay. Yeah, of, <laughs> of course they're brown. Of course they're brown. Yeah, you could um, be hitting the nail on the head harder. I with, do like, like that. How you think of others. Right. Cl- clearly. Um, that's that, that's no surprise. We're we're gonna see that a lot on the go through season one and a couple other seasons. But I yeah. do like when they um one thing that I think is cool about the Ferengi is they have this like metal kind of headgear that they wear. And I yeah, think the as, ear curtain. Yeah, the ear curtain. <laughs> <laughs> and and as the Ferengi kind of evolve over the course of next generation and then into deep space nine they lose the animal furs they lose the monkey walk they lose a lot of this this oddness and they just they become a lot more like humanoid um Mm -hmm. and it kind of makes sense that they and they just wear like normal clothes and maybe it's like a little bedangled um bedangled is that a word this bespoke we're making you know what? It's a Star Trek TNG podcast word bedangled yeah I don't know what that means (laughs) but they, they get a little fancier looking and I think if it's a profit-driven society, wouldn't it make sense that all of their clothes and everything else should look very fancy? You like opulent. Shouldn't it be? I mean, doesn't it just make sense that if we're in a culture where it's like all about money is your status, that you would wear Mm -hmm. that status on your sleeve, literally, that you would be covered in gold and shiny baubles and that would be a symbol of of your wealth. So it just kind of is a little a little bit of a weird contrast that they're supposed to be so greedy and in love with money, but they're wearing animal pelts. Like they can't afford regular clothes or something. Like they had to catch and skin an animal so they can get an outfit. Like it's, it's weird. (laughs) 
It's a, li- it's a little weird, but I think they, they kind of morph that over time. Right. Okay. So <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. I did not think of it that way, but you're absolutely right. Um, all right. So they beam onto the bridge, which is super weird. And they say that they have a gift for the hero of the battle of Maxia. Mm-hmm. And Picard goes, who's that? And they're like, well, you are, you know, don't you remember? And then of course we refer to data and he processes and he goes, Oh, the battle of Maxia was this time where, if, you mm-hmm. know, the, the Federation ship fired upon an unidentified vessel at which Damon Bach goes unidentified. Like he gets really yeah. frustrated. And like he, he's, he's very upset at that. And he goes, that was a Ferengi ship. Like you destroyed a bunch of Ferengis. And then he goes, so we have this present for you. And I'm going, Nope. <laughs> the minute somebody's like, you killed a bunch of my people. Hey, here's a present for you. I'd be like, I'm good. You know what? Leave it outside. Right. I'm going to call the cops and have them defuse. That's a bomb, obviously. Right. Right. Okay. Like, I'm just going to like walk away. At no point are they like, hmm, there's something not to be trusted. <laughs> well, but actually, there, a- there is one point. There is one point way almost at the end of the episode when Riker calls the first officer of the Ferengi ship and goes, right wait a minute, if you guys think we're Picard's such a bad guy, why would you give us a gift? That's and true. And then he just goes, well, it's not my place to, to question my Damon. That's not okay. So I'm not having this conversation. And I don't appreciate your tone and hangs up on him. So there is one point like, <laughs> he does. you know, in the timeline of the show, whatever, what, 24 hours later or something where someone goes, yeah. wait a minute. I don't know if yeah, we that, can trust this. That, that is, this is classic season one blunders right here. Wesley <laughs> is always saving the day. He's the only one who can see that there's something wrong. Right. And all these other senior bridge officers, who by the way, let's just think of this logistically, in order to be assigned to the flagship of the Federation, like the the, the right. like newest, biggest, mm-hmm. brightest, shining star, you need to be at the top of your class in everything. You need to have right. an exemplary service record. And they just are all acting like idiots. Like they, mm-hmm. nobody can figure out that something weird is going on. You guys are not like some transport ship in the Delta quadrant, right, like right. bumbling along, mm-hmm. right? Like you guys are supposed to be the biggest and the brightest and the smartest and the mm-hmm. whatever. And you guys, are, and, and, and Wesley is consistently showing you up. Like that's right. just, this he is, this is a day over and over and over. And Again. no one cares. Here's what I love though. When Wesley shows up, <laughs> yes. here's what I love. He's wearing the rainbow shirt. Oh, <sighs> I was like, okay, what are your thoughts Wesley, on the rainbow shirt? This is the Wesley I remember. Like, that's the one thing that I remember from years and years, from however many years ago that the show was on, what, 35 years or something, 30 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> 30 I years remember, ago. I remember the rainbow shirt. And I was like, yes. it's the Wesley that I had a crush on. Look at that oh rainbow. Oh my God. It was so classic early 90s was that look oh. of like every color in your wardrobe has to be on every outfit at the same time. Yep. And I was just like, all- yeah. They're all Crayola colors too. They are. <laughs> and they don't, awesome. they don't match. They have to clash. That's what makes it cool. And I was just yes. like, oh, they're rainbow shirts. Well, if you think about it though, the costume designers must have taken like the red of command, the yellow of operations and the blue mm-hmm. of like the science team and gone, mm-hmm. we're just going to put all the colors on here. Um, and I know a lot of people like hate that uniform, but I love it. I love it. I love how the colors like kind of tangle on the shoulders. Mm-hmm. Like I love it. That is, that is the Wesley that I grew up having a huge crush on, right. of course, as a like 12 year old girl. Right. The Wesley we know um, and love is the Wesley in the rainbow shirt. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? Actually this episode is constantly like, this is like the crushers to the rescue up in yes, here. Yes. You know what? Like Wesley's That's like, true, hey, just Beverly to- does save the day a couple times too. So it's she, just, she yeah, saves the day. The crusher times. show. The crusher show. It, it is the crusher show. Like they should have their own spinoff. <laughs> they're like <laughs> hyper competent and nobody else knows what the F they're doing. So we understand as soon as they give the captain, the stargazer, which by the way, it was on the view screen for like two minutes before he's like, it's the stargazer. I'm like, it's right there. Like we can all see it. Right. How can you not be like, I recognize that ship. Like you've served on it for how many years? Like, wh- wait, what? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe because he's only on the inside. I don't <laughs> the know. Ship? I don't know. I don't know how this well, goes. Like, we all know what the Enterprise looks like. Anyway, whatever. So the Stargazer <laughs> shows up and we recognize that Damon Bach has this mosquito repellent ball with silver and lights in it. And he's twisting it around and he's going, suck on this, Picard. And Picard is suffering and falling uh-huh. all over the place. Um, which... Not cool. Not cool, Damon Bach. Although we don't know his his like motivation yet. Because of course, they're not gonna tell us his motivation until like minute forty-eight of fifty. 
just pretty. And that's exactly what happened. So yeah, I think that's, uh, correct me if I'm if you know this term, but I think it's called like the MacGuffin or something like that. It's the idea of this is, it's like a, like a literary term, but also in, in movies and TV and stuff like that. It's the thing in the storyline that the character wants to get and, or the thing that's at stake, the thing that's really critical. And in order to make a good storyline, you have to bring that into the forefront of the story as quickly as possible. Like you have to be like, if, you know, if we go below 50 miles an hour, this bus is going to explode. Like you need to have that as soon as possible. So, you know, it's at stake. So then as the characters are going through their drama, you're like, oh no, will they make it? Will they not make it? Mm -hmm. There's this, this Mm -hmm. thing, which I think is called a MacGuffin where there's this thing where it's like, this is what's at stake. This is what's important. This is our focus. Yeah. Everyone's going for it. What's going to happen? It's the rules. It's like the rules of storytelling. Right. In and, like this kind of right. And, and so in this episode, we kind of don't, we don't get that. We don't know what the big idea is until like minute 48. And so it makes it hard to watch. <laughs> we had to watch it because yeah. we're reviewing this episode, but it makes it <laughs> hard to watch because you're kind of like, but what's the point? What's the point? What, what's the big important mm-hmm. thing? What's the big idea? We don't know. And then by the time you get to the yeah. end, you're kind of like, oh, it was revenge. Hmm. You know, like okay. that would have been nicer to know earlier. And if they were a little yeah. more uh, savvy, this is something that a, a previous guest said when we first saw the Ferengi at the last outpost. Um, Mm -hmm. our previous guest, Karen was just saying, you know, I was hoping that the Ferengi would be a little more sly or stealthy or cunning. And I was a little disappointed that they weren't. I agree. I agree. The, the Ferengi are not showing themselves to be a worthy adversary at all. So far, I know they're like the new kids on the block in terms of aliens and bad guys, the Ferengi are not there yet. And I don't think they ever get there in terms of the next generation. It seems like there's a lot more development in deep space nine, which I don't think I watched very much of. Um, it didn't really do it for me, but yeah, they, they just kind of suck still. They're like cartoonishly, they're like, they're like elementary school, like cartoon bad guys, right? Where it's like, as a viewer, you're like, you're bad. Okay. Like there's no, there's no deeper anything there. I agree. And they um, even come with the bad guy's speech at the end. So when we get to the end of the episode, we'll talk about how oh my God. Damon Bach even does the, the classic Disney monologue. When the Freaking bad guy's monologues. like, here is my evil plan. And now it's coming to fruition. <laughs> yeah. And he does this like <laughs> this yeah, you're right. evil laugh, like throughout the episode, which I'm just like, come on guys. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So they go aboard the stargazer. Um, and I love that we're like on a different ship. Um, it's th- the set looks so cool. Um, it's actually, I did a little research and it's a redress. The set is a redress from the movie Star Trek for the voyage home. So it's a, I think Captain Kirk and Spock and all them are, they're having some adventure in space. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie, but they ended up using that set and dressing it up a little bit and, and using it for the stargazer, which is really cool. And I don't know about you, but I love when Picard beams on the ship and he goes, hello, old friend. And I went, Look yeah, at that's you. you're sort of this like romantic at heart, you know, for, for, for like this old ship, like you imagine, you imagine like as time goes on, he, f- he would feel the same way about the enterprise. You know, if now that we're in like, you know, Picard television show, like if he had a chance to go back to the enterprise, he would probably say the exact same thing. Like his soft spot yeah, is not true. people. It's like his duty. And also yeah. the memories that I think accompany all of that stuff. Definitely. All right. Um, I want to talk about the Picard maneuver. Yes. I was laughing so hard as Riker was totally fanboying Picard, but oh you did it first, God. sir. <laughs> this was like, ult- I know. I was like, Riker, remove your lips from his butt. Like, dignity, sir. Have some dignity. But this is, you know what? This is Riker pre-beard, you know? <laughs> Sharice is silent because she's laughing so hard. The visual is just so much. Like, so remove your lips from his butt. You are such a kiss ass right now, Riker. God. Yeah, I, I wonder how Jonathan Frakes felt about that because, you know, Picard has this extremely distinguished Starfleet career, right? Like, he's a he's a ballsy, badass guy and everybody knows it and they all love him for it. But, like, no, also, so of course everybody's going to kiss his ass a little bit, but like that was just like so much. It was like it Riker. was very over the top. He's just like he was practically going to start crying. It was. Like I was waiting. I was waiting Dude. for him to ask for his autograph. Like, That's what I yeah. thought. 
That's what I thought. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. Also, when Picard is describing the Picard maneuver, yeah, he's using a pen. And I'm going, everybody's got touch screens and pads. And I was wondering like, what that was. I thought maybe to write it was, on. I thought maybe it was because I, I was thinking maybe it was like a, a laser pointer for like his presentations. Cause I was like, what is the, <laughs> what is he holding? Like, and he was kind of like it's fidgeting with it. And I was like, what's he fidgeting with? Like they don't hold stuff because for what, for what purpose you don't need to hold anything. So I thought it was a laser pointer and I was waiting for him to pull out his slideshow to start pointing to here. You can see, <laughs> and in these memories, but then that didn't happen. So I was like, well, no. why is he holding the laser pointer? But yeah, I didn't realize it yeah, was a pen. Yeah. The Picard, also the Picard maneuver, as we will see it later in the episode when he is gone crazy or he's like being controlled by this thing the picard maneuver sounds cool like you jump into like high warp and then you freeze or you like stop just just in front of the ship right so it looks like for a second you're two places at once yeah except that they use the original series style special effects Mm -hmm. where when the ship goes into warp you see like warp trails like on our logo it's like you see warp trails right so you just you like see where it's going because it's got these like streaks right like that doesn't make any sense like then why Mm -hmm. why is it this big like celebrated thing yeah it's like no it's completely obsolete like it's like oh i I can see you you know like i can see where you're going yeah it's interesting because there's um because whenever they do, so this is like kind of like a Star Trek, like a like a, a weird piece of technology is the fact that they have these view screens that help them to see the ships that are coming and all of that. And really, that's really for the audience's benefit because all yes. of that they're seeing with sensors, not with their eyeballs. Yes. So your yes. sensors are going to tell you where the ship is, regardless of what yeah. your eyeballs see. So if you jump from one place to another and people are like, whoa, it looks like you disappeared. The sensors are going to just go, there you are. Like they know (laughs) where you are. They're they're not getting fooled by, they're not getting fooled by an optical illusion, right? Uh, Sensors cannot be fooled by an optical illusion. Only your optics, your eyeballs can. So that's kind of a little bit of a, of a, of a technology stumble that happens throughout all of the truck world because Mm -hmm. you're right. Because these moments are really for the viewer. Like we need something visual for the storyline to make sense to us. But then when you take a step back, you're like, but wait, why would that, happen with the technology that they have it wouldn't so i don't know i think it's so cool and they and they actually bring it back in um they bring it back up in picard in season one of picard one of the you know picard is like piloting a ship which he hasn't done in like one million years at this point Mm -hmm. and um so they're doing some kind of battle and the woman on the ship goes if you pull off this maneuver i'm gonna name it after you and then she goes wait there is something named after you isn't it isn't that a thing and I was just kind of like, yeah, you know, like that, it was kind of like an Easter egg throwback to the Picard maneuver, which in my memory was like such a big deal. But in rewatching this episode, I'm like, huh, maybe this only comes up in this one episode and never again for the next seven seasons. I don't have any recollection whatsoever of any mention of the Picard maneuver in subsequent episodes at all. Um, this was just a thing that they kind of created for this episode, I guess. Um, interestingly... There is a term in Star Trek fandom called the Riker Maneuver. And I don't know if you've Ooh, heard of what it, is but that? I think I have not. Okay, so the Riker Maneuver is actually not a maneuver whatsoever, like in piloting. Jonathan Frakes, okay. has, he has a very special way of like sitting. If you notice, he kind of has like that lean, like the Riker, like I, in, in an earlier podcast episode, I called it the Riker lean. Right. Um, and you know how he sort of like leans forward and he's kind of got that man spread going on. As it turns out, Jonathan Frakes had some sort of previous back injury and it was really painful for him to sit normally in his commander's chair. And so he adopted that lean. And so people, you know, fans started calling it the Riker maneuver. <laughs> so, that's, so it's when that's you have Riker's- this really cool lean in, it's the Riker maneuver. It's Got the Riker it. maneuver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's a plot point that I kind of want to pick at a little bit. Picard's fabricated confession of like what happened to the Ferengi vessel that they blew up. So mm-hmm. as Picard is describing the Picard maneuver and he's describing what happened to this ship in this battle of Maxia, he basically said this unidentified ship kind of came zooming at us and we requested them to identify themselves up bunch and they didn't and then they just started firing at us indiscriminately and we would have blown up if we hadn't defended ourselves and fired back right and everybody goes okay all right um and we all get that and that's very much in line with picard's sort of moral compass where you're like okay you're not just gonna like fire into a an innocent ship like for no reason right so then 
Picard has this like, or they data finds this confession um, saying, Oh my gosh, I've made a huge mistake. It was actually like a sensor array or something. And, and like, I blew them out of the water for no reason. And it's fabricated. Like we immediately can tell like, that's, that's not what we know about Picard. Um, but we don't know why it's been fabricated. We just see Damon Buck going, ha 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 ha, like turning his little ball, like the little orange ball he has to like mm-hmm. control Picard's thoughts. And I just thought, God, that was shoehorned in so pointlessly. And it's not even like a big shocking moment because it's like, hey, we found this confession. And then two minutes later, Dita goes, uh, we've run it through the scanners and we found some like errors with it. So it's obviously a forgery. And everybody goes, oh yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> it's like, why well, yeah, you and even when they there? first even when they first heard about it, everyone was like, well, it's a forgery. Because they know who Picard is. And everyone's kind of like, yeah, it's fake. I mean, it's obviously fake. We don't know how it was faked, but we already know that it was faked. But I think maybe the point of it was to further add doubt to Picard. I think that was really the the purpose of it. It wasn't really Mm. to fool anyone else because no one else was fooled. They were just like, oh, it's just a matter of figuring, maybe Data. Data was kind of like, I'm concerned about this. But Riker yeah. was like, "Well, it's fake. Just, just run it through the run it through the system. Run it through the scanner. It's fake." Yeah. yeah. Um, and everybody else, yeah. you know, Crusher was just like, "It's fake. I don't even need to see the results. It's fake." But That's, I think it was that... maybe for Riker for Picard's benefit because he was all like, "I don't know what's going on," and because they were messing with his mind. That yeah. one thing of hearing it in his own voice, where he's like, "Well, I think it's fake. Wait, is it fake?" You know, it was just yes. kind of yeah. I, yes. I feel like it was more mind playing around with. Well, you are right. He does have this like great acting scene where he's sort of like sliding into the madness and he's there with Beverly in his quarters and he's like, I, I killed a bunch of people. Like I destroyed a bunch of lives. And she goes, did you have any choice? And he goes, I just don't know anymore. And he's mm-hmm. like, he, melting just, down. This is, this is like, this episode just really showcases like what a fantastic actor he is because if he was not the actor that he is, this show would have been or this episode would have just been so painful. I mean, it was painful episode for me to watch because it was just so cheesy and the structure of the episode didn't make any damn sense. And the plot was also like, okay, but he carried this episode without him. Mm-hmm. It would have been like, let's just skip this episode and not review it and pretend it doesn't even exist. Like it's yeah. such a bad episode. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I thought that was kind of pointless. Now he's, he's like really falling into this hallucination. Damon Pock, I think it's funny, like, I, I know it's supposed to be, like, dramatic bad guy scenes, but he keeps, like, cranking the machine to, like, level 10, but he does it, like, six different times in the mm-hmm. episode. So I'm like, how many more times are you gonna max this I noticed out? that like, as well, and I was like, is this, is, I mean, the sound is getting higher, so is there, like, another setting? I feel the same way. I feel like, okay, it's on, <laughs> right? It's on, and it feels, it seems like you turned it up to max, but every time we turn back to you, you turn it up again, so I'm like, why don't yes. we just turn it up to the highest thing and get it over with? Why are we doing this it's, like, I don't know. It's like setting your phasers to kill. And then you're like, watch this. Boop, 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 boop. It's set to kill. Now you're like, no, no, but it was earlier. Like, right, so, exactly. It was already not, set to like, kill. You can't reset it to extra kill. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what he was doing. He was setting it to like extra crazy, extra thought yeah. control. I don't know. Can we yeah, talk so- about um, the fact that when Picard is hallucinating, so let's fast forward to him hallucinating. It really bothered me that the ghost of his past yes! did not talk, did not move, yes! did not have any oh reactions while they're supposedly Ugh. on fire. And I feel like this was a money-saving ploy because you've got actors who don't move and they don't talk, so you don't have to pay them. You don't have to put them in the credits. But then yeah. you have voice actors in the background going, sir, something's happening. Oh no, yes. it's on fire. And you hear explosion sounds. And I was like, <sighs> if, you, if you took the time to hire these people to pretend to be ghosts, why can't they like bounce like the ship was hit or look, have a concerned look on their face? I mean, it was yes, just so, they, oh so my strange. God. This is why we're friends. And this is why we have a podcast because yep. we're like on the same wavelength. Yep. Yes. When I saw that, I was like, what the F? Like, come on. <laughs> like the, the woman, first of all, first of all, like, I agree with you. The people are just sort of like calmly doing their job as they're all on fire and everybody's dying, which no. And you hear but explosions also, going on and the yeah, fire and like crackling. And, and I mean, they're yes. making no facial expressions whatsoever. It's like they're just putting butter on toast. Like nothing weird <laughs> going on at all. 100%. 100%. We we're going to have to make that like a meme. You're just putting butter on toast. Because like your face shows <laughs> zero emotion. Just zero. So the other thing that really bugged me, and this was the detail part of me, Picard is hearing the hallucinations. He's hearing his like, 
old crew members' voices. But when he's hearing a man's voice going, sir, the deflected blah, blah, whatever he's saying, it's a man's voice, but they show a woman just like calmly pushing buttons. I'm like, why couldn't they, why are you hearing a man's voice, but seeing a woman do a job? Mm-hmm. What the hell is that? Or what about later when he walks, men on the- when he walks <sighs> over to the man to talk to him and the man actually turns his face to look at Picard, <laughs> yes. does not move his mouth at all. And you just hear the voiceover guy going, yes, sir, I'm turning the deflectors on or whatever he says. Yeah. And you're like, well, <laughs> if you have the ghosts now reacting to Picard, why are they not reacting to what? the ship being on fire, reacting even to the explosions? You- why are they not acting? You hired even actors to you- not act. I, I recognize that there is some aspect of Hollywood that I, there's a lot of aspects of Hollywood that I don't know about, but I think that there are certain rules about who can have speaking roles and who can't like, and if you have a speaking role, you have to get like a SAG card. And so you can't have, I may be wrong. So if anybody out there works in the industry and is listening to our podcast, like shoot me an email info at the TNG podcast.com. I want to know how this works because this might help clear up any Mis- misunderstandings in, in mm-hmm. subsequent episodes, mm-hmm. but you can't hire like non SAG actors to do speaking roles or something. But why couldn't you just have them move their mouth and or, then have a voiceover actor? Or how about not have them? How about just have the hallucination be in his mind? Yes. That's what we were like, doing. Just, just hear voices. Why do we even have them? Just hear voices and have him react to the invisible voices. Yeah, that that would have been very cool, actually. So he's now aboard the Stargazer. The crew have discovered this ball in his Ooh, um, let's back up a minute though how did the crew discover the ball with the rainbow shirt wearing wesley uh, pressure wesley he's the one who the saves day. the day and i love this scene where like he comes to his mom and he's like mom you have to listen like i figured out oh, the entire right, thing right. and then they just are like great and they walk out and he goes you're welcome ladies like no one even <laughs> says you're welcome right and they immediately go to the bridge they immediately tell Riker. And it's like, it's Troy of all people trying to explain some scientific phenomena when yes, she's like yes, the one non-scientist on the ship. <laughs> yes. And she's going, did he say long rage, Beverly? And she goes, yes. And I go, why don't you just have Will Why didn't you just have come Wesley up to the bridge? come? Yeah. Why did He's you the just one have, who discovered it. Why did you just have Wesley come with you if you're going to explain it? And let's also keep in mind that earlier Picard gave Wesley a hard time about you should have just used the comms, which by the way, he doesn't even have a comm badge, but whatever. He can, he can push the button. <laughs> he can push the button on the he wall can, like Beverly did because she didn't have a comm yeah. badge either and she pushed the wall. Yeah. So like he, he's, you know, gave him a hard time. You should have pushed the wall and told us right away. This is an emergency. Right. But when Wes comes right. and says, the captain's brain is being controlled. Why didn't they push the button and call you know, Riker and say, this is an emergency. Instead, they're like, oh no, let's walk listen, our legs all the way to the bridge <laughs> to physically tell them the, the captain's gone crazy. How about how about this too? Since we could just willy-nilly transport, transport ourselves to wherever the want. F we want, just transport from sickbay to the bridge with Wesley and be like, Wesley has something to tell you. They never just do that. Come on. Before we get to the very conclusion, I did spot a couple of shorter uniforms. So we're still pretty deep at least thigh deep in shorter uniforms. (laughs) (laughs) So, so there's that. Stay tuned because there's more shorties. Um, Okay. So we're at the end here. He's, he, the crew has discovered he's being controlled by this orb. It's never talked about that. There's a, like, there's two of them. Mm-hmm. They just find this orb in the captain's quarters and go, oh my God, it's, it's the same, like, you know, it's functioning at the same like frequency as like his brain or whatever they determine. Yeah, they that, do like, have, they do give it brain. to, uh, they give it to Jordy and Jordy looks at yeah, it and his he's, super eyes and he's yeah. like, this is an amplifier. And I was like, that's kind of mm-hmm. neat. He can see into machines since when? Yeah, that he is. He always has to that open is data up. Well, he can, oh, that's true. You're right. Oh. But whatever. I mean, he had Continuity. x-ray vision in this episode and I was like that's kind of cool. cool because he does have this cool vision where he can see all these like infrared and all these different things. So, um, he usually can just looking at objects, see things that see energy patterns, see things coming from it right. that other people can't see. But with this, I felt like he could see into the machine, which was a little different. Cause he doesn't have, he doesn't have that see through walls ability is true. as far as I know in the future yeah, episodes, right. but, but it was still kind of neat. I was like, Jordy's Jordy's superpower is He's- pretty cool. Well, he's designed, like his visor is designed to basically be a tricorder. Like he can see what a tricorder can see and so, and thus can see into things. All right. So we're, so now we're on the stargazer. Um, Picard is knee deep in his, um, his hallucination. The crew has realized that he's being controlled and they finally manage to like break through and say, destroy the orb with your phaser, like destroy that silver ball with your phaser. Um, And my thought is why don't they just destroy the one they have on the enterprise? Well, because the one they have on the enterprise is the amplifier. 
So that was helping him be more crazy on the ship. But the orb that's on the stargazer was the one that was always making him crazy from the beginning. That's the one that started the the headaches. Yeah. That started the headaches in the first place. And then as it got closer to the ship, the headaches got worse. And then Damon Bach did his evil twisty twist and made it even worse. But having him take his chest into his room with the amplifier, that's what was able to like make him lose it and snap and go onto the stargazer. See, I breaking the amplifier would have done nothing. Okay. Yeah. So because the original machine would have still been, yeah, that would have still been active. Um, So he blows up, you know, he blows up the, uh, the, the machine and goes flying because it's a big explosion. Because it explodes. For some reason, there's gasoline inside of this orb. (laughs) (laughs) What? And, and magically causes him to have a full head of hair and a slightly different body as he's flying (laughs) through the air (laughs) because it's a bad body double. It's a bad body double. And I went, He's got a full freaking head of hair. <laughs> well, like what? we said before, it's 1987. They were cutting some quarters. Uh, stunt double. This is probably the same stunt double who was Data stunt double, Riker stunt double. It's probably Troy's stunt <laughs> double probably and Troy's. stunt doubles too. So like, they're just Dr. saving the stunt double. Um, well, I guess they, just, they weren't. They weren't counting on super HD TVs. Who would? <laughs> who would count on that coming yes. up? That technology, or even the show still being watched. Because this That's was before, this was, this was when the only way you could watch a, a show after the show was off was what, to get the VHS or something? Like, yes, there was yes, not there even, was no syndication. There was, there was no syndication Netflix. Either. There was no rewatching an episode, Mm-mm. a show like, Mm-mm. you know, 30 years Mm-mm. after the show's over. Yeah, you're, a- so, you're absolutely right. Here's a piece of, here's a piece of technology that bothers me consistently in the show. So you'll probably hear me, hear me gripe about this a little bit moving forward, but what is the <laughs> deal with them being able to beam through freaking shields i don't get it they were like shields up oh nothing can beam through unless we put our shields down okay let's transport boop and they just go and you're like <laughs> but you just said i mean and they did that in this episode where they're so he he beams over to the tr- to the stargazer and immediately as soon as he's there damon bach is like Mwahaha, you are here shields yes, up monologuing you know? and puts the shields up and then yar goes it's too late. We can't get him back, Riker, because the shields are up. We can't beam him back. And they're like, okay, we're just going to have to see how this plays out. So then Damon Bach does his whole bad guy monologue. And then he's like, now you're going to suffer your fate. Mwahaha. And immediately he beams back onto his ship. And I was like, now we just established that in this world, you can't beam <laughs> through a force field, but he did. And then I said, you know what? Okay. He's a Ferengi. He could beam through because they have different technology. Sure. Maybe. Okay. So he blows up the orb and then he's like, I'm about sick of this stargazer. You know, Picard's like, <laughs> Picard's like, go ahead and beam me back. And they just beam him back. At no point do they drop the shields. Once again, if y'all could have you know beamed what? him back now, you could have beamed him back earlier. And every You're episode, I feel so like they do right. this. And yeah, that's, sorry. I'm very passionate so, about my, my fields. So my, right. Yeah. You're so right. I was watching a later episode when, um, God, I think it's like season six when Scotty appears. You know, he's yeah. been in the transporter pattern yeah. for right. like seven Forever. years. Or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 he's holding open the door of the Dyson sphere with the old ship, and it's basically the shields holding right. this holding massive door mm-hmm. open. Yeah. Yeah. And they end up beaming Jordy and Scotty out of that little ship through the shields. And I thought the same thing you did. I was like, come on. Like they you do guys this have every step- time. They all Yeah, you've established it. So it's like, I've, you can't beam through a freaking shield. And then it's like, until we feel like it, <laughs> then yes. you could do whatever the hell you yes. want. So what I wrote in my notes is that the ability to beam through a shield is just like the prime directive. It is a strong suggestion that gets broken when dramatically necessary. Yep. So yep. As, yeah. As PJ said in a previous episode, one of our guests said, the prime directive only exists long enough to go, ah, not this time. <laughs> or like, just this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's that's it. That's totally that's we, totally beaming to the shield. Yeah, we can't beam him, sir. The shields are up. Okay, let's just beam him. Okay. Boop, yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, that's that's my thing. It's gonna come up again and again. I have a feeling in different episodes. I'm gonna be like the shields, people, the shields. Yeah, I'm sure. So um just to clarify before we kind of round this out here, the whole purpose of this episode was because Damon, which I guess is the Ferengi word for captain. Damon Bach um, wants revenge on Picard because his son had his first like command post as a daemon and was on the ship that Picard blew up. Right. And he did all of this to try to get revenge. 
and then just went toodles and like left. It's like, I don't know about you, but if I wanted revenge, I would stand by until it was like completed. Make sure. I would just be well, like, anyway, see you what later. What happened yeah. was his first officer confined him to quarters. They, they had That's a mutiny right. on the ship That's because right. the crime was not revenge. Revenge is fine. The crime was they were in an unprofitable venture. And that actually yes. is a big crime in the Ferengi world. Like you'll see that come up again where they're like, wait a minute, there's, there's no profit in this. Oh, that's like, that's totally against our laws. That's so the no-no. fact that he had done this whole thing and did not give any profit for his crew, which is what they thought it was all about. He removed him from leadership. And I think that's why he didn't get a chance to finish seeing his revenge fantasy fulfilled like play out. So again, yeah. with the MacGuffin, you're kind of like, womp, womp. Like you're not super concerned. I don't yeah. know. At no, at no point did I think that, you know, Picard was going to be blown out of the sky. So no, I don't know. It, it was, it was a really weak, but like, let's, let's backpedal here and go, okay, let's put ourselves into Damon Buck's head and go, okay, this man has killed my son or my son has died because of this man. Mm-hmm. I know what I'll do. I'm going to get this thought provoking machine or whatever it's called. Like also yeah. they couldn't even come up with a good name for it. They were like, it's a thought maker. I'm like, wow. Talk about a placeholder name. Yeah. <laughs> They're probably Jesus. like, can anybody beat this? No, no, we can't. No, we're gonna go with they Thought Maker. On time. Yeah, they're like, we're we're rolling in like 20 minutes. So if anybody's got a better name. So he's like, I'm gonna find fa- I'm gonna buy this like thought maker and this amplifier. I'm going to scour the effing galaxy for his old ship and yeah. make him replay that moment. But he's actually gonna try to attack his own ship, and so they're gonna have no f- like they're gonna have no choice on. but to to blow him out of the sky. Man, man, just poison him or something. Come on. This is like, wait, like shoot too him with much. A pool noodle. <laughs> There's a lot of steps going on here for this revenge. The, like the, just shoot him with a pool you know noodle. What? The more complicated any plan is, the more places there are for things to go horribly awry. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's what more he's got. He's got like a, he's got like a 37 point revenge plan. That's all has to go exactly mm-hmm. one way. Yeah. It's like, yeah. What? Okay. Note right. to self. Anyway. Keep revenge nice and simple. Keep it simple, people. Okay, let's just let's just make that the moral of this story. Is keep that's it what it should have been. Because at the end, he said, Picard said, "There never is profit in revenge." Right? That was the moral of the story. Yeah. And maybe the moral yeah. should have been revenge should be more simple. Keep it simple. Maybe that's what <laughs> it should have been. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, uh, I mean, I could keep ragging on this episode, but like, I feel like I've kind of hit my point. <laughs> like, I'm done. <laughs> Do you have any further thoughts that you want to add? Nope. Let's move on. All right, so next week we're going to review season one, episode nine, Hide and Q, which is, I love Q, but it's my least favorite Q episode. So we'll get into that next week. But Sharice, thank you so much for just tracking out with me. Yeah, this was fun. So we'll see you guys next time. Bye. All right, bye guys. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. See you next time.